Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madam Blue. I'm your host, Valeria, and today's guest is Andrea Lisbona, the founder of Touchland. While the pandemic brought hand sanitizer to the forefront of everyone's minds, Andrea's vision to beautify the hand sanitizer industry began over a decade ago. In the early 2010s, Andrea sought to commoditize a stale industry with the creation of moisturizing, sleek, fast evaporating, and cruelty-free sanitizing formulations that are available in elevated scent profiles. Touchland launched in the United States in December 2018 and closed its first full year in business with over a million dollars in sales. They also had a collaboration with Disney that increased their sales by 86% within just one week of launching. The brand is currently distributed by retailers like Sephora, Ulta, Target, Revolve, and Bloomingdale's. Touchland is currently in over 4,000 retail doors, has won awards from Allure, and is loved by celebrities like Kris Jenner and Mindy Kaling. In this episode, I chat with Andrea about her journey immigrating to the United States from Spain to pursue her entrepreneurial journey, how Touchland utilized social media to accelerate its business growth, and the impact her company has had on a once relatively untouched market. Let's get into the show. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. I'd love to jump right into it and hear about what brought you from Barcelona to the United States. Yes, so basically I started in 2010 distributing hand sanitizers. Our goal was to really make personal care something you look forward to, something like skincare that you are excited about that makes you feel good. Sometimes personal care is something that you have to do, but you don't really want to do. So we started with hand sanitizer because the easiest way to stay healthy is to keep your hands clean. But everything that was on the market was tequila smelling, very sticky. And so no wonder why people didn't want to use hand sanitizer. So we started distributing in Barcelona for four years. We were able to learn all of the pains on the industry, why customers um, didn't enjoy using it, nurses having to carry like a hand cream to keep their hands hydrated. And so we developed the solutions and then we decided to launch in the U.S. in 2018 because the largest market for hand sanitizer is the U.S. It represented 30% of the global demand. We knew that if we wanted to do big things, we we had to cross the Atlantic and come to the U.S. to to chase our dream. Interesting. So when you say we, you're talking about you and your family that were in this industry, in this business for several years before moving to the United States. So my family had a business of distribution, um, but then in 2014, we launched our series of products um, with my husband, who is the co-founder of Touchland. We were able to gather all the insights of the market and everything, get the market um, understanding, and then we decided to launch the brand into the U.S. because, again, 
if we had to grow a company somewhere and, and really present a very innovative solution, we believe that nowhere like in the US uh, for, for innovation and, and market validation. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And for those who are unfamiliar with your brand, can you explain what Touchland offers and what makes your products unique? Yeah, so we have set up to reinvent personal care. Um, we believe that personal care should be fun, something that you look forward to. So that's why we set up to disrupt through design, experience, and skincare forward formulations, personal care. Um, we started with uh, hand sanitizer because, again, it's the most important hygiene habit. And we have currently two product lines, the pocket size uh, hand sanitizers and the commercial solutions, the dispensers, which we currently have in customers like Equinox and many others that offer their solutions to their, to their customers. I know the hand sanitizer you've talked about, it's like the most basic hygiene product, something that everybody should use, but it is something that is very like practical and simple. I'm curious if you got like any funny looks or doubters whenever you explained your vision of like disrupting the hand sanitizer space to other people. Of course, of course, especially when we moved um, into the US, I feel like hand sanitizer was something that pre-COVID no one Mm -hmm. thought of reinventing. So for us that we started a long time before, I think we, we were truly disruptors. I always think of like the case of Nespresso. Because at the end of the day, the coffee was an industry that was for many, many years, no one had thought of reinventing. And I always say, if I didn't have an espresso at home, I would not have the time to press a button and have a coffee in 20 seconds. So we truly believe that if we wanted to, to really make this hygiene habit something that people is going to use in an exciting way every day, we had to combine, again, design experience and everything. And like every visionary, it takes time for people to, to understand what you're doing, especially for investors. For us, it, like our success came very early on since we launched. Uh, we launched with a Kickstarter campaign in 2018. It was fully funded in 24 hours. So we already got market validation and community validation from the very beginning. But I think it was very challenging for especially business people to understand why would someone devote their life to disrupt a hand sanitizer industry. But I think our vision is much bigger. We started with hand sanitizer because it touches everyone, every age, every gender, everyone. And we wanted to to be that sort of the apples, the Teslas of this industry. But we have many other categories in the pipeline that also have been forgotten, stagnant, antiquated, commoditized, that they don't really have that wow moment that Touchland delivers and that we will be tapping into the years ago. Yeah, it is a very unique product. Like I've never seen a hand sanitizer like that. You know, there's a ton of thought put into the design and the aesthetic that makes it very appealing. And we'll get into that in a little bit more detail in a second. But I want to go back to the beginning for a bit. I know you mentioned a Kickstarter campaign, but if you could talk a little bit more about what that startup process was like to take those first steps to get your business off the ground once you moved to Miami. I mean, it was challenging because it's a completely different geography for us like even from like like small things like even renting an apartment like when you're like an expat moving into a a country like for example in Spain you can get an apartment easily here I didn't know that you have to go through a board process where they have to interview you so stuff like that was very um, culturally challenging for us because it's really hard to get adapted and to understand how every different country works getting the visa for us was also a very exciting process because at the end of the day like making sure that you can make this dream control always happens through having this this process of getting a visa so we had a lot of like learning course from like a living standpoint from like 
setting up a business, setting up an omni-channel strategy, looking for the perfect partners for each channel, defining the market placement, where did we want to sell, how did we want to sell, and what price did we want to sell? Because I remember when we launched in the US and it was like $10 hand sanitizer. And we were like, no, but we're not selling hand sanitizer. We're selling a skincare forward experience that is functional and keep your hands clean. But people don't use Touchland just to keep their hands clean. They really use it because it takes care of their hands. We partner with Shivadan Perfume House to develop like unique scents that you don't longer use it to sanitize your hands. There's a lot of people that say like, when I'm in a plane and it's very hot and I'm nervous, I just spray, I smell my hands and it makes my zen moment. So it was about creating an experience. And I think doing it in your own country is already hard from an entrepreneurial <laughs> standpoint, doing it in another country, far away of your family, far away from everyone, looking for the right partners, the right investors, people that believe in the vision. I think for us, because we started two years before COVID here in the US, it was very easy to find partners that really believe in it. Because of course, like later on, like everyone started selling hand sanitizer. Everyone wanted to be in this industry. But I think for the early adopters, like the, the people that believe in the business and everything, that was because they believe in the vision and the larger scale of what, we're, what we were doing. Yeah, well, let's talk about those people a little bit more. I'm curious about the investments in the company. So how much did you raise to launch Touchland and how much have you raised year to date? I'm wondering also if you could share any lessons there during your time pitching to or working with, with investors that other startups can benefit from. So to date, um, we've raised uh, over $2.5 million in funding. Most of it was raised um, in 2018 and, and early 2020. We are a company that has been able to grow sustainably, responsibly. We wanted to make a business that didn't have to burn dollars every three months because I feel like for an entrepreneur, for a founder, you should put your energy into the business, into the partnerships, the retailers, the channels, the innovation. And sometimes raising funds take a lot of energy and time. And so we wanted to make sure that we allocated the time where we think we have we can have more return on investment. So that's why we have been able to grow organically and and without having to raise constantly funds because the company, again, is very thoughtful in the way we grow the business. It's been a, quite an experience. I always say that there's a lot of investors that just want to hear a good story, but has no interest in investing. Um, so I'm sure like many entrepreneurs have experience, especially in the early days, like we had so many meetings and we would go somewhere, like take a plane, go somewhere, pitch, and they would be like, well, thank you for it. But we only invest in software. We don't, and we were like, okay, why didn't you have me take a plane here? So I think like that's part of the process. And that's why I made sure to create a business model that we can grow responsibly, sustainably, but we have, without having to have me devote 90% of my time. I want to grow great relationships with retailers, with, with different channels, have time for like R&D, product innovation, feedback customers, uh, because I think like sometimes founders can get dragged too much into fundraising. And again, sometimes it's not very cost efficient because you have to, I always say, kiss a lot of frogs to find the cleans. <laughs> and I feel like that's a, that's a good sentence for fundraising. Once you received those investments and you were ready to like innovate your product, make it exactly how you wanted it, what was that process like to create a final Touchline product that you were happy with, that had unique sense, that wasn't damaging to the skin? Can you tell me a little bit about that process? 
Yeah, so I think Touchland is a company that was created for the community. So a lot of companies and a lot of entrepreneurs, sometimes they have like, like a moment of illumination. Well, that's what the people want. In our case, it took a lot of time and it really shows how thoughtful we were. Like we spent four years distributing for a specific reason. We really wanted to talk to many nurses, many heavy users and, and really know like, do you actually love it or not? So I think for us, it was a lot of like listening to the market, having lots of focus groups. Um, I'm a big fan of design. So of course, when we design our products, we were looking at how Apple and many design companies create designs. So most of them, they apply like the golden ratio. The golden ratio is like a divine proportion. It's everywhere in the nature, the most common golden ratio shape that everyone has in their backpacks and in their pockets is a credit card. So we apply that when we created it, we patented this design. The bad thing about success is we suffered in two years, almost 2,000 patent infringements. Wow. So that was challenging um, to fight each and every one of those infringements on IP. And then in regards of formula, it was a lot of testing because again, when you add alcohol, naturally it dries your skin. But when you add emollients and hydrating ingredients, then it becomes sticky. So trying to find the balance in between functionality and delivering the benefits, but at the same time, giving a great experience. Like we don't want to, for you to sacrifice your skin in order to sanitize your hands. In regards of the sense, sense can drag you back in memories, like reminds you of when you were a kid. We really believe that the sense can empower also our experience to go further than keeping your hands clean and hydrated. So we did this partnership with Jivadan and we developed different scents that each one delivers. I would say even a mood. For example, I always say lemon lime spritz. It makes you feel like you're sipping a margarita in a swimming pool in Mexico. Vanilla blossom, which is one of my favorite. It makes you feel at home, like you're eating popcorn in your sofa with a cover and Netflix. And so each one of them has its own vibe. And it's fun because we're extremely viral on TikTok and we have people that created the trend of matching my outfit with Touchland. So oh, they wow. changed their outfit matching the, the Touchland power miss. So I think like Touchland has been able to get this mega viral coefficient because of the way people felt the brand. And we always try to give the microphone to the people. I feel like some brands want to control the messaging, want to just work with like people knowing what they're going to say. I feel like Controlling the messaging is impossible. Like you have to put the public out there in the market and, and to let people explain it through their own words. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think it's so interesting how you bring creativity to a product that has never really seen it before. You know, you, you're bringing all these unique scents and moods and people are having fun with it. And it is an experience. It's not just like something that you put on your hands and then forget about it. Like you said, that that smell stays with you. It reminds you of something. I know the design was a huge differentiator for you in Touchland. Can you tell me how your love for design has influenced your approach to user experience with your products? I was talking the other day with, with one of our top retailers, Sephora, and they said, Andrea, I'm going to say it in a good way, but you're obsessed. <laughs> and I feel like this is the kind of thing that it's natural to me. I don't force it. Like I am walking around and I notice design and I notice like how things feel on my hand, how feel like interact with me. Like it doesn't have to be just Totland. It's really everything. I like always open up, like understanding how different brands reinvent um, experiences. 
So I do think that it plays a good role. I, I mean, this product is design, is experience. Like if you forget about those elements, you're going to end up with like a ketchup hand sanitizer that kills 99.9% of the germ. If someone didn't think about like, well, it's coffee, you just stay 30 minutes there waiting that it's warm enough and you put it. Or like, again, it's just the phone. You just need it to call. It's not just about function. There's thousands and thousands of products in the market that clean hands. But mm-hmm. how can you make this something that people look forward to? Yeah. And I think it's so cool that you have that sort of eye for design and eye for aesthetics as an entrepreneur to where a lot of people might have to outsource that or you know, hire someone else to kind of come in and work on the design. You kind of already had that before going in. So I think that's really beneficial to your business. When you launched your business, you targeted retailers like Sephora, Ulta, and Bloomingdale's instead of pharmacies and drug stores. To me, that's just such a genius move to establish yourself as a lifestyle brand and bringing in more of that user experience. But I'm wondering if this was your plan from the beginning and if you encountered any unforeseen roadblocks in the retail space that you can share with me? I feel like uh, in order to reinvent, to truly reinvent and change the game in people's brains about like I'm disrupting a category, it's not about just changing a product. That's one piece of the puzzle. If you think of Nespresso, I always say that they didn't build a machine and put it in supermarkets next to other machines. They created like concept stores in the Fifth Avenue, which looked like almost you were going to buy like a $10,000 bag, but no, you were going to buy a pot of coffee. And I think like changing the experiences and changing the way you do things. um, And that goes from product placement, product price, product marketing, everything. And one of the things that we said is like, we cannot sell an experience and a product that you not just want to have for you, but you want to give the way you want to buy for your friends. Like you want to brag about on social media. And then you end up buying in a pharmacy. So that's why when we created the strategy, we knew that we wanted to be in prestige, being fashion and beauty retailers. And I think it was fun. I always love challenging things. I think easy things are boring. (laughs) So I remember like when we started pitching to retailers, they're like, hold on, like, are you sure that you wanted to schedule a meeting with us? That was fun because that was pre-COVID. We ended up signing with Ulta. Um, pre-COVID, Ulta, when they met us, they saw the social media success, the press success and all that. And they're like, I mean, we should launch you in online and see how it works. But your market validation, the community, the support you already have is amazing. So we're going to launch you in all doors, in 1,200 doors. And we were sold out within weeks. Um, wow. And that was pre-COVID. So that was very exciting. Same for Urban Outfitters and many others. They never sold hand sanitizer before. Um, so part of our success is also for those retailers that believed in us and that gave us the chance to prove it. I'm also very persistent to a level <laughs> that is like, I'm not going to take a no for an answer. Um, so I think that also that plays a very important role. But I think that the marketing, if you enter in our social media, like you'll see it looks like a fashion brand. It's like a fashion accessory. People dress it up with like accessories, with lanyards. We created that to shed, which is a, very cute fabric, uh, pouch fabric that people attach to their bags. Mm. If you're trying to reinvent a category, it has to be everything from customer service, from the way you answer social media, who you partner in, in brand collaborations, everything has to be thought through the lenses. I think the fact that you, you know, were sold out in a week in retailers is really testament to the user experience and design that we keep talking about. 
it's one thing to see your product online, but to hold it, smell it, to see how different it is, it's really impactful. So congratulations on all that, that retail success. Um, I'd love to learn more about the growth of your company that you've experienced since launching in 2018. I know COVID must have been a huge uptick in like demand for you. Can you tell me more about what that journey was like? Yeah, sure. So from 2018, our success was uh, very big. We are known because we were the company that was all, always sold out. And I think that <laughs> created that formal fear of owning a touchland uh, because we were always sold out. The success came when we really launched in the U.S. With COVID, for us, was more like a, an acceleration of that growth, but we were already sold out pre-COVID. We had lots of challenges, as you can imagine. And then we relaunched the brand in August 2021. And I think that's a good like explanation because we had a lot of sold out moments, a lot of time that Tottenham didn't have product. So in August 2021, we relaunched the brand in a moment where post-COVID, the, the category was decreasing by 6%. So we relaunched the brand and I think it really shows to what we're doing. We've launched in 4,000 retail doors and that includes Sephora, Ulta, Target. Um, we've launched in Bed Bath & Beyond. We've launched in so many places, in Revolve, in many other full uh, cool locations. Um, we're actually growing faster than beauty brands in those retailers. So not only we're not decreasing, but we're actually beating in productivity and velocity beauty brands. So we're, we're very excited because um, we always said we were not a hand sanitizer. And I think this is a good example, a moment where the demand of hand sanitizer is decreasing and we're growing even faster than in 2020. We're going triple digit and we're getting 4,000 retail doors in less than 12 months, which really shows the power of the brand. Most mm-hmm. of those retailers had hand sanitizers for the next 20 years to come. So when we relaunched, we found ourselves in a moment where like, okay, retailers had a bad experience, but we have to show them that we're not hand sanitizers. So they gave us the chance and now they are duplicating, triplicating the space in retail every six months. So very excited to, to the growth in retail. As you said, I think retail is an amazing discovery platform. When you're shopping, you discover a new brand, you put it on your hands, you say, what is this? Um, so I think part of Tosh is as you said, it's an experience. So once you see it on the screen, you can think, oh, what a beautiful design, but to hold it in your hands and also the validation that retailers like Sephora and Ulta give to a brand um, because yep. not many brands have the, the luxury to be there. So being blessed by the fact that we're in those two retailers at the same time, it's for us, is something to be really, really proud of. Mm-hmm. I know that you sought out to innovate this hand sanitizer space and you've definitely accomplished that. What impact have you seen your company have on a once relatively untouched market? When COVID started for us, we knew that this was something that would go up and down. So for us, we want to be the Apples, the Nikes, the Teslas of this industry. So we want to be here the next 5, 10, 20 years to come. For us, it's been more like, how do we build the brand that is here for the next 20 years to come? How can we be a partner in this journey for all of our customers rather than most of the companies trying to capitalize, like everyone was manufacturing hand sanitizer when we were sold out. So, I mean, we lost a lot of opportunity, a lot of chances for people to try Touchland. When we launched the brand in August also, one of the things that we did is like, when you go through this social moment where you have not been able to hug friends, to travel, to see your family, I could not see my family for a year and a half because I'm on a visa. So if I left the country, I could not return. So. I feel like everyone went through a very harsh time 
And so we, when we created the brand Touchland, the name Touchland stands for the land of touching. And we wanted to enable people to go out to feel, to touch with their hands because we were there to protect them. So we did a campaign that I think was a campaign that was extremely, um, how can I say, not, not sensitive, but was a very visual campaign. The campaign was like, we're humans, we're humans. It's okay to miss touch. It's okay to miss parting. It's okay to miss hugging. I was tired of like saying hi with my elbow. I'm not a chicken to say hi like that. <laughs> so um, the campaign was very, was developed by like a very great creative creative director and it was an underground party in New York and people like reminding those days where you used to go clubbing and partying and feeling alive and free and we did the campaign and the campaign was like it's okay to feel passionate curious but don't be reckless like have fun get dirty but then use Touchland so that was the <laughs> campaign and I feel when everyone saw the campaign everyone thought is this a diesel ad is this a Calvin Klein ad oh no it's a hand sanitizer ad so I think that was, that was fun. And, and I think that's part of being a brand that wants to change something is to really have a voice and to have like a purpose. That unique voice you're talking about, I think, is part of why you have such a great social community and people really advocate for the brand. You've become the most followed hand sanitizer brand on both Instagram and TikTok with over 100,000 followers on each platform. How instrumental has social media been in Touchland's revenue growth? And what advice can you share for businesses looking to up-level their social presence? It's been extremely instrumental <laughs> since day one, I'm not going to lie. Um, I think, like, as I said, like, you can create the most amazing product in the world. But I think mm -hmm. what we've achieved, the viral coefficient is because once people own Touchland, they convert everyone around them. And that's how we've been able to grow so fast since 2018. We've had celebrities of the size of Chris Jenner, Naomi Campbell, Tyra Banks, organically posting on their social medias. We've had YouTubers that have 2 million followers like Kathleen Lights that bought the product in Ulta in 2019 and appears on her TikTok using it as a phone. And I'm like, is that Touchland? <laughs> so this is the kind of thing that is like when the magic happens and that's something that you can plan, hire the best social media team. It's like all the stars align and we were able to launch in 2018 and then we click with the community. And I mm -hmm. think that I don't have a magic recipe because I think like as much as I'm a branding person, I love marketing. I'm always analyzing. It's a channel that is constantly changing. So you always have to be up to date brands have to be authentic in social media. It's not about, it's not about being perfect. It's about being authentic. So some brands are scared of like the, the, the way they present content, all of that. So one of the things that really was instrumental for us was TikTok because we were one of the brands that joined earlier in TikTok in 2019 when no one was on TikTok. So the algorithm like sort of like rewarded those brands and like every video that we would do was like million views and everyone was like, crazy about the product and so in 2019 everyone like we had a lot of headlines in press like the tiktok viral hand sanitizer like that you've seen everywhere so it has been instrumental for us in terms of advice i would say like 10 years ago companies had the marketing plan signing everything that they would do for one year to come a year previous i feel like nowadays this is impossible like social media it's about trends it's about being fun at the end of the day like we try to be fun and, and being authentic and like if we want to make a joke or if we want to make a meme or if we want to 
we just try to be as authentic as possible. And I feel like people like it. Like we ask, hey, what should be the next ascent? And we listen, we, we don't just do it for engagement. We actually listen, what does people want? We also ask what should be the next brand partnership that we do. We did one with Disney. We have a couple lined up for this year, actually. So I think like social media, it's such a great opportunity because it's the, the most efficient marketing that you have. Like, and you get, the information right out of the community. If you listen to them, I, I mean, there's brands that do lots of mistakes, like the leading comments. If you have like something going on, acknowledge, face it, talk about it. Like, for example, like one of the things that, that people ask us is about like sustainability and refillability. And unfortunately, the CDC recommends not to refill hand sanitizers because of risk of cross-contamination. But what we did, because we could not refill our solutions, is we partnered with Plastic Credit Exchange, and now we're a plastic neutral certified company, meaning that for every bottle that we put into the market, this organization removes it from the, from the ocean. So at the end of the day, as I said, you cannot be perfect. You will, it's, a, it's a process. It's not a goal. It's a process of getting better. Always listen to how can you be better for your community, and they, they really reward it and appreciate that you not just care because you have to, but you really care. I love that you involve your community in like partnerships, like you said, and feedback and just include them in sort of the future of the company, the values that you have and everything like that. Another really interesting fact about your company is your company initiative called Touch Lives. Can you tell me more about this program, how it came to be and what it accomplishes? Yes, so we started it when we were in Spain we were donating part of the proceeds to NGOs in Africa because they didn't have water. When we moved to the U.S., we kept doing it. But in 2020, when COVID came in, we started receiving lots of messages from people like frontline workers that didn't have product to go to work. We also got in touch through one person that tagged us on social media. He was a public school teacher. And she tagged us on a photo and she's like, my school didn't provide us PPE, so I bought this from my salary, but I want my kids to go back to school safe. So we got in touch with her. We all got very emotional, the marketing team, her. So we ended up like having her lead our initiatives to allocate the touch lives into public school teachers. So we have this program. So public school teacher reaches out, we send them a dispenser and 10,000 hand washings. Then they can put it in their classes, make this very fun for kids. Kids love Dutchland, so um, it is part of what we do. We don't promote it a lot because I feel like we don't want it to be a marketing sort of initiative. So that's why we get as many teachers as we can. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, a lot of people is like, why do you not promote it on social media? But I'm always concerned because I, we really don't do it as a marketing. We do it because we want to give back. Yeah, no, and it definitely comes across as something, you know, I had to do a little digging to even find the program, but it wasn't displayed everywhere. But I think it is really impactful. Thank you. As a founder, I'm sure you've had to wear so many hats to get your business to where it is now. What has been the most difficult part of bringing your products to life? A lot of parts. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like being an entrepreneur is a constant roller coaster. Like there's a lot of moments of celebration, but I also feel like the more the company grows, the bigger the responsibility. So the more people that trust in you, the bigger the backpack that you carry. So I don't take this lightly. I'm always thinking of what can go wrong, overseeing it miles in advance. So I think it's been challenging through, through many situations, but I always feel like finding the right team, 
to go through challenges and, and always remind you of the vision. I have a lot of um, people that have been following the project and it's like, Andre, you're like a bull. You've had like so many walls and you see a wall and you go through it. Some people would be like at some point to say, I don't want to go through one, one more wall, but I feel like I do think that we, we're doing something very big. A lot of people call us the apple of hand sanitizers, the apple of personal care. And we have lots of ideas to reinvent other categories and make personal care something that is like as cool as my skincare ritual at night. Um, but something that you keep in your back and you can do throughout your day, because I feel like that's part of what I miss from skincare is I do it in the morning and at night and throughout the day, I don't have that sort of me time to feel good, to feel relaxed. Steve Jobs said that his biggest dream was a, a Mac in every house. I think for me, my biggest dream is not like a goal, a revenue goal or something. I feel it's, it's walking around and see people using it. That's why I started to really be part mm-hmm. of people's life and to make something better and, and happier. So it seems like it's that vision that keeps you going through the walls. <laughs> yes, it's it really never doubting your vision. Anything that we did was not easy. Like we could have gone through pharmacies. We did not. When you do things differently, it normally takes longer time and takes a lot of skeptics and a lot of criticism, but it's part of breaking the molds. And I, I feel like I enjoy it because now I can inspire other people to do the same. And if they get critics or something, just keep going. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And you mentioned before um, how Touchland has, you know, been used by celebrities. It's gone viral on TikTok and Instagram. It's won awards from Glossy and Allure. I'm wondering if there's been like a standout moment for you that made you feel especially proud of the company that you've created. I really try to cherish every moment. I don't celebrate it because I'm always mindful and don't want to get too full of ourselves. I feel like sometimes when entrepreneurs think they hit success, they get complacent and then someone else does it better. So I always say like, act as your number two, always never think you're number one, because that's the feeling of always want to be better. There's a lot of moments not one specifically like to, to me to be in 4,000 retail doors coming from like a small town in Barcelona. I mean, no one has done that. And I feel like that's such a great exp- experience mm-hmm. to be able to have a big dream, to have been criticized because like a lot of people like um, in my, my hometown were like, that's such a stupid idea. Or like at the very beginning in 2010, like why is she wasting her time? And now I say, well, it's not wasting my time. Look at what we've done. It's part of like proving people wrong. And I feel like it happened to every visionary, everyone that has tried to do things differently. They've had always challenges on the, on the go. Mm-hmm. It's just all about keeping your focus, not listening too much to, to the doubt. To the noise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and don't, and don't, don't, I always say my favorite sentence is don't, don't let failure get to your heart. Don't let success get to your head. And a lot of people say that is like, why are you always so serious? And, and, and I'm like, because the moment that you feel you've hit success, that's the moment you start dying. You always have to think you can get better, that you have someone in your neck ready to jump over you. And I feel that that's an advice that I would always share. Like, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. You know, my, my father always says, well, Andrea, you're never going to be happy because you're here and you want to be here. But I feel like it's, I, I really love not, not the goal, but the progress. Like, I think that's what gets me excited. Mm-hmm. You're a hustler. I am <laughs> definitely from head to toes. Yes. 
Well, like you said, getting in 4,000 retail stores, really like the epitome of the American dream right there. I'm curious, like what it felt for you to see your products in a retailer for the first time? It's emotional. It's emotional. I feel like, especially like Sephora and Ulta, like those are retailers that not only have like an amazing footprint, but this is like, if you're a beauty brand, you want to be there. And everyone laughed at us when we said we are a beauty brand that happens to sell hand sanitizers and we made it and we're growing there and we're having like growing space every quarter because they really see the sales, they see the brand, they see how how much the velocity is. So I think for, for us, it was like a, one of the most exciting moments of my life, especially if you think about it, most of those retailers cost, like in August 2021, when we reached them out, they actually were discontinuing hand sanitizers. So not only to secure them, but to secure them in a moment where they had a very bad experience with hand sanitizers and all that, and prove them that we're not hand sanitizers and that we can sell even better than beauty brands. That's, that's to me, something that, that, of course, we will continue keep growing. But what we've accomplished in the last um, 12 months, it's something for the books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, the fact that you're outselling beauty brands and beauty retailers is like the ultimate mic drop for your, for your business. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Do you remember what you wanted to be when you were little? I'm curious what the younger version of yourself would think of the now entrepreneur that you are. Yeah, so I was raised in an entrepreneurial family. Mm -hmm. So I think that played a very key role into my life. I live the the typical um, entrepreneurial journey like I my family had a business the crisis came in we lost it all so all of those things kind of like helped me shape the entrepreneur that I am today so that's why I'm super conservative like in in how I grow I want to grow responsibly I want to grow in a way that I can sustain my growth um so so when I was little I had lots of dreams I think like one of the stories that I really like is Coco Chanel not just because she created like a fashion house and all that but also the way that she did it she was like a challenger she was the first woman that said why women have to ride a horse like in the side because they were they wear a skirt so she developed pants for women and she developed like the handbags that had a, stra- a strap because they were like, why women have to be holding something while men have two hands? So I, I really like her journey. So I think when I was a kid, I was like, I want to be the next Karl Lagerfeld. <laughs> that was my dream. And, uh, and that's why I studied fashion design after my, my business degree because I, I wanted, to, I always... I always feel like you have to learn more. Like the, the learning process should never stop. And I feel like that has been part of the journey when I launched Totten. It's always keep listening, always keep testing, always. So um, I wanted to do that. But then um, I, I found what I think was my, my real vision, like to really reinvent uh, personal care and start with a category that when I, I started in USC for my Erasmus, when I was in, in my, my university, I spent six months there and everyone was using this product called hand sanitizer. Everyone was complaining about it. So I'm like, why is everyone complaining? But it's hanging in every backpack. It's hanging in every, it's in every car. So I, I truly believe like this is for everyone, but no one has thought of doing it 
in a way that is skincare forward, that smells great, that it's something that you want to brag about, like as you want to brag about your iPhone or your AirPods or your computer. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me anything about what's next for Touchland? If you have any upcoming plans or projects that we can know about? Lots of things going on. (laughs) We had a very busy 12 months, but now I think the next 12 months are going to be very exciting. Um, We're growing our partnerships with retailers internationally, which is very exciting. We are developing new formulations that have like innovations on skincare, new collaborations, which I am sure that people is going to be very excited because our first one was with Disney, but the coming two are also very, very cool. And also we're working to innovate outside of hand sanitizer and tap into the next personal care category that no one has thought about that it's not a magic moment like I've tried a trillion and nothing really made any effect to me so I think um, and I've talked to a lot of people and said oh you're right no one has thought about it so we're working um, towards doing uh, the same that we did with hand sanitizer with another kid you're just gonna leave me hanging like that I don't get to know what it is no not really I, I try my best not to say anything I talk a lot so that's why I'm like don't drop it don't drop yeah so it, we, it's gonna take two months so we stay tuned to social media to find out what what that will be exactly surprising okay. and okay. unexpected <laughs> good now you have me like on the edge of my seat I'm excited for that think of all the personal care things that you do not enjoy that don't really work and all that one of those okay well Andrea I I like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide a few words of wisdom what is your biggest piece of advice for founders and entrepreneurs so I think my biggest piece of advice which is what almost everyone says but it's the truth it's about perseverance um I think like that's the word that really shapes like people that get to their dreams and people that don't it just keep going because no journey of a big dreamer has been easy and you cannot lose if you don't quit so you have to keep going I I always say like potentially in order to get somewhere you simply have to adjust the sales so I think being being perseverant and be also able to adjust to circumstances to be agile not not complacent I think that's that's very important Mm -hmm. totally agree Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been awesome learning more about yourself and your business. Please let everyone know where they can keep up with you and Touchland online and on social media. Sure. So people can find us on touchland.com. We're also available at Amazon, Sephora, Ulta, Target. And then in terms of socials, they can find us at Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Touchland at Touchland. And my Instagram, TikTok is Andrea Lispona. Thank you so much to Andrea for joining me on the podcast and thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us next week for a new episode of Office Chats.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 